Hello everyone, this is Donnie, aka Elevated with Dota Alchemy, and we are here with the third episode of Alchemy Answers. I am joined by Jenkins, and we are going to be going over some of the best questions from our YouTube comment section, so keep those questions coming, whether they're on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, we check them all, we try to answer as many as possible, and we hope that you enjoy this new episode and get something of value from it. I mainly play supports like Skywrath, Willow, Priest of the Moon, and Zeus. I want to start playing more core roles. What would you recommend for me to play that kind of fits the same sort of play style? Man, just pick the same heroes. Like, that's one thing that I learned in pubs was that uh, I, I just, I remember there was this one night where I queued about five or six times into IX Mike or something like that, and then some other offlaner, maybe Brax, and... Um, Obviously, we all can't play offlane, so I would I would play support, and I, I would play something like a like a shadow shaman, and it's like XD Jenkins shadow shaman. Like I cannot fucking play that hero for the life of me. But I tried because it was it was the best hero at the time. And then I just realized like why am I not just playing Pudge? Why am I not just playing like Timbersaw mid or something like that? You know what I mean? Like there are these heroes that can function as in, in multiple roles. And the, the, the ones that you listed are actually fantastic. Like Marana, for example, that is an excellent carry. That's an excellent mid laner. Uh, as a support, I would honestly say it's weaker. So if you're having success with that as a support, like you're going to be an amazing carry Marana. Uh, and then Zeus. Zeus is a great offlaner. Zeus is a great mid. Really just like fill in whatever core role that you need based on those heroes that you're already good with. There's a lot of these heroes that do multiple roles. Uh, and then from there, you can branch out and kind of go with what's uh, what's overpowered. So like you just go and look at the, look at the list. Let's say you want to learn five roll i know you said your support let's say you want to learn five roll you'd look at like warlock you want to learn carry you look at specter like these heroes that are just 60 percent win rate or whatever in the high level brackets you want to learn those but to start you can like you can just pick those heroes that are that are that fit in both because you listed some excellent ones there so i would go with that for sure yeah i agree with that i'm going to take a slightly different approach to answering the question which is that skywrath willow potom and zeus are all sort of like high bursty kill heroes and so if you're looking to play high bursty kill heroes that are cores you could go for something like an ember spirit you can go for something like uh, a storm spirit you could go for something like a morphling uh, these are obviously heroes that require a lot more farm to function than the ones that you mentioned but if you are trying to expand your hero pool but you want to continue to play like these these killing heroes then those are some pretty good options that you could play as well uh and i would say that you should probably introduce maybe one or two heroes into your hero pool that do have the ability to push towers just because there will be some games where your team will not push towers and you have to do all of the jobs so you know figuring out a couple of heroes that can also push towers in addition to having that burst like a morphling um is a pretty good way to go about it. Okay, next question. Hey guys, subbed a few days ago, and I just want to ask, any tips for a player who's just getting into Lycan? Uh, thanks for the sub. That's awesome. Um, I think that my my biggest tip for Lycan is basically just, at least this is how I'm winning a lot with Lycan, and uh, I hate to brag, but I got like a 70% win rate or something in the past couple of weeks with Lycan, and I think, I think number one, that's because people in pubs are really bad at dealing with Lycan, and then number two, just based on the type of player I am, the the whole, um, the, the obviousness to how the hero is supposed to be played 
is something that is very easy for me to execute. And mechanically, I, I can handle all the mechanics of Lycan, but basically I think understanding that you base you, you run down a lane with creeps and and don't not with your hero uh without the ulti and you you farm waves or you farm jungle basically it's like farm you have, the ult, you have your ulti you run to whatever objective you you want to kill somebody out so you can take the objective farm run to an objective with ulti farm run to an objective with ulti and then you either lose or you win that, that's how you play, play like in my opinion and i think like sticking to that in the most absolute way possible is a really really good way to just destroy in pubs it's worked for me at the very least, and I just think it's because a lot of the time in pubs people will just fight to fight, and uh, that can lose you so many games. Whereas like on Lycan, if you literally just rigorously stick to that kind of like schedule of of fighting around the ulti and then f farming by pushing out lanes or by jungling without it, then you will you will basically only take good fights. And since you're Lycan and that hero's overpowered, the fights that you do take, you'll win. And it's very very hard to lose a game when it's that when it's that structured. Uh, and then also, what I would recommend highly is going into a practice lobby and setting up your control groups such that your Helm Dom creep is on your first control group, uh, and then you have a control group also for the Necro unit purge. I would say that, that those are two things that differentiate really terrible Lycan players from amazing Lycan players, because the purge is actually that good. People get Ghost Scepter, people get Yule Scepter, against, if you're playing against Pugnar or something like that, like there are all these things that can prevent Lycan from killing people, but since the Necro has been buffed to have that purge, th there's almost nothing. Like, Lycan can kill anybody at any time, as long as you have that Necro bound. And then also, uh, Lycan is this hero, he's always struggled with people having using teleport scrolls when he goes on them. Obviously, that's not an issue anymore if you pick up, like, a Centaur Conqueror with the Dom Creep, but you need to have these control groups set up, and you just need to be comfortable pressing them. So I would definitely say practice that, because the hero, honestly, aside from those things, is very simple. Like, if you know where to be on the map, and then you have those things bound, and you're pressing it right, all you do is do the exact same thing every game, no matter what role you're in, uh, in terms of item build and play style, and it's super, super easy, as, lo as long as you can uh, get that micro down. The first game I tried to play, I was, like, trying to be, you know, I was trying to be Arteezy and, like, use the wolves to scout constantly and i was just being super inefficient with moving my hero and and trying to do too much with it so i take a, a fairly systematic approach to playing the hero step one like jenkins said just kind of follow the routine of like if my alt's up then i fight and if it's not up then i'm just hitting creeps basically uh but then don't try and like do too much with your units at first this hero works really well just kind of as like a death ball you spawn all your stuff you click them on a hero uh, or an objective and then that thing dies and so you don't necessarily need to be like individually microing each unit and each wolf obviously having the ability to use the the purge from the archer necro unit and whatever helm of the dominator creep that you have is really really good so do practice those and you can get a pl plenty of reps in a demo lobby doing that while you're queuing for a game for example and just get used to moving those units in the middle of, of chaos. And once you get comfortable with that, then you can get more into using your wolves to do things like following other heroes and using them to scout while also farming efficiently with your hero. I, I actually have a, a story about micro that you that you reminded me of. Uh, I think what you said is perfect, where like don't overwhelm yourself trying to be Arteezy all at once. Before Smash was banned, uh, you know, Smash, like the Peruvian players, Smash, Z-Talk. But before they got banned, Smash was notorious for being a godlike beastmaster so damn good at beastmaster and i wa i watched him play 
and this is like my team was making fun of me all the time for not being able to play Beastmaster because and I think my issue was that I was trying to do way too much. I was trying to micro the hawk while microing the boar efficiently, while microing my hero using roar, using axes, using the Necronomicons, the scout, doing all of these complicated things. And back in that day, Beastmaster wasn't as easy as he is now. He each of the units was basically as important as a hero. It was crazy what you could do with these things. And uh, I watched Smash play, and I realized that this guy is killing hawks nonstop. Like, somebody should call animal control. He's killing these little dogs and bears and these things that he's summoning, like, all the time. He does not give a single fuck about the units. So why is this guy notorious for being the best Beastmaster? I'm telling you, I, I literally had top 10 NA players saying, if you want to learn Beastmaster, watch Smash. I was thinking, like, Shouldn't I watch Admiral Bulldog or Mind Control or something? No, it's not like that. Smash is better than they are at Beastmaster, even though he just feeds units. And that's the thing. It's because his positioning on his hero, he was always in the right place at the right time, always getting these ganks, always hitting the right person with the roar and team fights. And it just made me realize that he's not overcomplicating this hero. He's so good at the positioning on his hero that it didn't even matter that his micro was pretty terrible. And when he needed to do the micro in a fight, he would do it. It's just that he he had this balance of like what he thought was important, and a lot of the time that was where his hero was positioned. And he was the best Beastmaster in, in, in the Americas because of it. Yeah, and actually that's a really good jumpy off point. We're going to make this kind of like a longer answer to maybe a, a question that hasn't been asked yet, but I think is really important to talk about. And that is like... Make the game simple for yourself. It's, it's already a complicated game. There's already so much stuff going on. Even the best player in the world might not have perfect micro on various heroes because they're good at a certain set of heroes. So if you're trying to pick up a new hero, if you're trying to learn a new hero, just accept that you're not going to be super good at it. And that's okay. And figure out ways to make that hero easier for you. For example, if you're trying to learn a hero like Morphling, don't run around the map at 300 HP for the entire game. You're gonna die, you're gonna feed. Run around with like, you know, two-thirds agility morphed instead of full, full agility because it'll just make the hero slightly easier for you to play. And that's fine. You can develop those skills as you play it more, but jumping into a new hero that's complicated and trying to just expect yourself to be able to play at the level of somebody who's played that hero for 500 600 games is just completely delusional and you just kind of need to accept that hey i'm gonna make some mistakes so why don't i just make this a little bit easier for myself so that my mistakes aren't as punishing as they would be in other circumstances god dude this one's hitting home because we just lost the qualifiers because this was shit like this uh in competitive they call it overplaying like you're basically overplaying your hand when you think you're when you think that you're somehow way better than all of these countless other people that are there are also just humans that have way way more games with something it's like you can't be upset that somebody who has 500 games with pudge is hitting way sicker hooks and somebody with 20 games of pudge but just feels like they really get the hero you know what i mean it's like it's like a human practice thing like if your body's just doing the same thing over and over again you'll get really really good at it and uh yeah you just don't want to overplay like if for, for instance i just like i said i just played the qualifiers and i played a tidehunter uh, and I, I played fucking terribly, like notorious, like everybody on Twitch chat, which is like lol Jenkins tied and stuff. My team was making fun of me. And it's like, the thing is, it's actually my fault that that game went that way. Be not because I'm a bad tide. It doesn't even, that doesn't even matter because there are other heroes that fit that archetype. It's because when I was asked, can you play this hero? I said, yes. 
And there's a huge difference between being able to play something at the highest possible level and just being able to press the buttons on the hero. I could not play Tidehunter at the highest possible level. There's plenty of heroes that I could, but I overplayed my hand because I had a, I had an ego where I was confident or I didn't want to let my team down. But for whatever psychological reason, I wasn't being honest with myself and realizing that I, I don't play this here. I have like 25 games with Tidehunter and like 500 with like Magnus and stuff, you know? It's like, why not pick the Magnus over the Tidehunter? It's the same archetype of hero, or like an Abyssal Underlord or something like that. So yeah, d definitely you, you don't want to overplay yourself because um, there's a lot of stuff that statistically speaking, you're probably really, really good at, and you just have to be honest and go with those, and then you can kind of slowly learn these things, and eventually you will be very good at a lot of things. All right, let's move on to the next question. We'll make this the last one. Uh... And this one is sort of like a conglomerate question that we've been getting a lot of uh, on various sort of like psychological or how to help your team or how to play better uh, in general. And it's just, we get this question a lot, which is your advice is good, but when I try to communicate with my team, I just can't. C server is so toxic. Uh, Europe server is so toxic. South America server is so toxic insert my server is so toxic and the players are so bad that when i try to communicate with them they just flame me when i say hi guys what do you want to play they don't answer they just pick cores how do i deal with this how do i follow your advice when my team is not cooperating and being toxic and i think it's still my team holding me back this is a really, really good question because because I think I think like you said, this applies to literally every psychological video. You feel like it's just useless advice because it it would work in a perfect world. Um, it's kind of like in math. There's this like there's this branch of math called game theory, and it it puts a lot of people like these you know quote unquote hypothetical people together in these sort of games like prisoner's dilemma or something like that and it assumes that it, what, what would a very logical person do in the scenario and then they do it in the real world and it's completely different from how the math says that it should be because people aren't logical and that's the thing but but with that being said it's when at, at least when i talk about these like psychological things um what what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to set myself up to have the highest percentage chance of winning statistically and I know that I'm going to run into people that are insane. And there are some days where I just won't be able to handle those people and I'll just have to mute and I'll lose a lot in a day, despite having uh, a pretty good time following those like you know psychological rules of, of trying to keep your teammates positive and stuff. So basically what I'm saying is that um, you, you have to understand and have the perspective of a lot of people will be beyond your help. There's nothing that you can do to... Um, there's nothing that you can do to stop somebody from feeding couriers down mid, maybe about half the time, something like that, maybe a little bit more than that. But in those, in those, you know, 40%, 50% of games where your positivity or your um, non-toxicity, whatever you want to call it, actually helps somebody or, or stops somebody from going further where it would ruin the game, those are wins that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Those are, those are losses that other players would take. And, and technically speaking, like, that's part of the game because solo queue kind of is the game for most people. So you're actually a better Dota player if you can take those wins because you aren't being negative, because you're being positive, because you're hyping up your team. Whatever it is that you're doing that you, you feel like it just doesn't work with a lot of people because they're toxic, the only reason... It's very easy to notice the negative things, but what, what maybe you're not realizing is that a lot of people that would have been toxic aren't being toxic because you're being a good person, because you're being... 
you know, happy or joking or whatever it is that you're doing, there's a lot of people that are actually being affected by that. And the thing is, like, it, it's sad that it works this way, but uh, if you do something nice for somebody, usually maybe the most you'll get is a thank you. But if you do something bad to somebody, you, you know, they'll try to fight you. Like, it, it's it's so much worse. People react so much more poorly to be more more extreme, I should say. Maybe not poorly. It's obviously poor, but in a very extreme way, people re will react if you do something bad to them. But if you do something good to somebody, a lot of people will just keep walking. You know what I mean? They'll be happy, and internally they'll get that endorphin rush, but they will keep walking. Like, they don't, they don't care. And that's the thing. But the thing is, if you do something positive to somebody, internally they will feel it. On the surface, it may, it may not look like it. So a lot of the time, you're just going to notice those toxic people. But what you're not really realizing is that a lot of the people you are helping in pubs and you are increasing your win rate. And all I would say is try to try to focus on the good and not the bad and, and have the perspective that those people that are still being toxic, uh, don't let them affect the way that you, that you act in, in future games. Just have the perspective that they're beyond help. There's something that is, is deeply troubling them and you should honestly just feel bad for them rather than allowing them to affect you in the future. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to specifically talk about this because I, I made a video where basically I just said that you should start out every single draft by just saying, hey team. And a lot of a lot of the responses to that video were like, well, when I say hey team, my teammate just says fuck you or they like they tell me to fuck off. And my response to that is like, who cares? Like literally who cares? Why do you care if they react that way? It doesn't matter. Like if your team is flaming you because you're communicating things like telling them that you don't have mana or that you should go take this objective or whatever, and they're, they're reacting negatively to that, then just mute them and continue to do that. Unless, unless you are communicating in a toxic way, which is making people react in a toxic way to you, you should just continue communicating as if they are just listening to you. Maybe you lose the game. It doesn't matter. Just be objective about it. Like Jenkins said, if you are communicating and your your team is just insane and they're not listening to you, then just continue playing the game and adapt to the situation. Just accept that that is the game that you're in. If your team is seemingly just feeding constantly, just continue placing wards as a support. Get vision. Your team will psychologically want to play where your wards are to some extent and they will play slightly better if there is vision because they will have slightly more information about what is going on the map stopping placing wards and just you know sitting in the base is a guaranteed loss but if you continue place wards at least you're giving yourself some percentage chance to win the game likewise if you are just being positive you're like hey guys we should do this or can we do this or hey, I have a smoke, let's group up, and your team just continues to ignore you or they start to flame you and you just mute them all and you continue to do that, at the very least, maybe there's some chance that they will start listening to you at some point or at least somebody will. But the second you stop being positive and you're like, hey guys, you fucking suck, the game is over. So it's really just as simple as continue to be positive because it gives you some chance to win whereas if you react negatively and you start flaming your teammates back then the game is over there is no coming back from that it doesn't matter if you're in c if you're in south america if you're in north america cis doesn't matter there are toxic insane people in all of these regions they we all deal with the same problems and it's just a matter of perspective of just being like, hey, I'm not going to let this person who's being an idiot ruin my game and my day and my perspective. Don't let their reactions affect you. Continue to do the positive good thing 
And in some games, it'll have positive impact. And those are the games where you probably won't even remember that you has a positive impact. All right, and the final question that I just wanted to cover is, what is the intro song to your videos? Because we've been getting this a lot. So to answer that question, it's just a song that I made with a friend like eight or nine years ago. I went over to his house. He has a little studio in his garage. I played some guitar. He sampled it. He turned it into this really kick-ass track. And it's just been sitting on my hard drive uh, in unfinished form for years. And I was like, hmm, we need a new intro song for our uh, Dota Alchemy intro. And I asked him if I could use it, and he said yes. So that's what we have. Uh, the intro song is a little sped up, so I will play you the original song in its entirety at the end of this video if you're interested in hearing what it sounds like. And I've been telling him that there's a lot of people who say that they like the song and that he should finish it. So maybe he will in the future if you guys keep telling him that he should finish the song. Maybe it'll happen and he'll release it to the world. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. This has been the third episode of Alchemy Answers. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it helped you uh, learn some things about the game of Dota, and I hope it wins you some MMR in the long run. We'll see you next time. Oh, man.